Good morning. Hey, so glad that you're here today. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. Luke 18 is where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to raise your hand. One of our ushers will get one to you in just a moment. Luke chapter 18. Before we dive into the Word today, I just want to encourage you. I am super excited about next weekend, Easter. It's going to be a great weekend. Baptisms, reminding ourselves of why we have so much to worship because of Jesus. He conquered the grave. He died for our sins. He alone gives us new life. And so I just want to encourage you one more time, bring your friends, your family members, your coworkers, invite them, kidnap them in the name of Jesus. And it's going to be just a great, great, great weekend next weekend. Today, we're finishing up a five-week series uh, on dangerous prayers. Uh, These prayers are not easy because they put God in total control, asking God to do the things that we cannot do ourselves. Um, They're not casual prayers, they're not cautious prayers, they're courageous prayers. And we started off week one, God, would you you send me? Would you send me anywhere you want, across the street, around the world? We've got so many missions trips this year that you could sign up on, but this prayer of really saying, God, I want to be used by you. Week two was search me. God, if there's any area of my life that's not in line with your word, not in line with your will, would you reveal that to me so I can be the man, the woman that you want me to be? Week three was teach me to love. Teach me love. Week four was teach me patience. Made you wait for it, didn't I? Come on, come on. Some of you are like, oh, say it, pastor. Patience. And today is teach me humility. Now we're looking at a parable in Luke chapter 18. Jesus would, would share parables or stories that would illustrate biblical principles And often in the scriptures, we see two different ways of living, two options, the wide road, the narrow road, the life in the flesh, the life in the spirit, the old life, the new life. Today, we're looking at a life that is prideful or a life that is humble. Would you stand with me as we honor the reading of the scriptures? Luke 18, starting in verse 9. Those are the words of Jesus. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other the tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Heavenly Father, God, right now in this moment... We need your help. Would you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the message that you have in store for us today? God, I I ask that you would help me deliver the message that you want to communicate to your people today. God, we love you and we need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Teach me humility. Before I say anything else, I openly admit, confess that uh, this is an area of my life that I desperately need to work on. 
where I desperately need God's grace. It was a couple weeks ago when I taught on Search Me that I, I shared with you that there's some areas of pride, some control, and some fears that I believe that God wants to work on in my life. So as I teach you today, I am first of all teaching myself. Um, I am hungry to be the humble man that God wants me to be. And I know that that means dealing with some pride issues in my life, and I have opened my heart, and I want God to chisel and chip away any pride in my life that's keeping me from experiencing the fullness of Christ in my life. So just wanted to, to open with that. Let's look at pride and humility and define briefly what they are. What, what, what is pride? Pride is uh, summarized as an attitude of, of self-sufficiency, self-centeredness that really says, God, I don't need you and I don't need the help of anybody else. It's an attitude that leads to arrogance. It's an attitude that looks down on others, criticizes others, blames others, compares to others. Pride is all about self, and the middle word in the word is, is I, P-R-I-D-E. Pride is all about me. And we see this constantly in our culture. If you want to hear about pride, just listen to an athlete being interviewed after a game where they did really well. Oh, you know, I just got, I've got good game. I'm really good at scoring points. I'm the best player there is. Nobody can stop me. You just, you just hear it. You, you hear it in music all the time, especially in hip-hop or rap music, about all the money I have, all the ladies I have, all the homes I have, all this I have. It's all about me. It's in our culture all the time. And why is it such a dangerous sin? Because pride wants to take glory and worship that ultimately belongs to God. Because at the end of the day, ultimately what pride is, is self-worship. Pride will be your greatest enemy. And humility will be your greatest friend. What is humility? Humility is the opposite of pride. Humility is a life that's not about me. It's all about Christ and it's all about others. Humility is not thinking less of ourselves. It's thinking about ourselves less. It's a life that serves others, encourages others, loves others, recognizing our need for help. And if we're not careful, we can be people that demonstrate this false kind of humility. On social, on social media, it's called this humble brag, right? Where we're trying to act humble, but we're really bragging. I read a, a couple on Twitter recently. Somebody said this, listening to my segment on Fox and cringing. Listening to my voice on TV is so painful. Shut up, right? <laughs> Somebody else put this, still not used to this question. Can I have your autograph? Must be rough. The humble brag, right? If we're not careful, we can demonstrate this false humility because the reality is, is that all of us have pride in our lives. All of us have pride in different shapes, different forms, different ways. Some of us hide it. Some of us don't. And today I want to look at four questions, four questions that really get at the root of pride and at the root of humility, why it's so important to pray this prayer. Question number one, why is it important to pray for humility? Why is it important that we even pray this prayer? Two reasons. Number one, we're often blinded by our own pride. We are often blinded by our own pride. Pride is something that we can often see in other people's lives. Sin is something that we often see in other people's lives, but we are often blinded by the own pride in our lives. About 13 years ago, after we moved to Modesto, uh, I had to go to the DMV and get my picture taken again. Um, so I was there for the entire day. And 
was in line getting my picture taken and turned around and saw a man behind me and he was real nice and looked, looked back ahead and looked back at him one more time and then looked back. And he had something on his, his forehead that was white and kind of brownish and kind of in swirls, a little, little, little something kind of small. And I realized that this man had a bird that must have flown over his head and dropped something on his forehead. And uh, being the nice person I was, I didn't want to say anything and be rude, right? No, I, w- I wish I would have, because what happened was he was talking to all kinds of people, never even knew that he had bird poop on his forehead. And he goes and he ends up getting his picture taken for his driver's license with bird poop on his forehead. He, w- he was able to have conversations with everybody else, and I still wish, I'm just confessing openly, I wish I would have said something. Um, but, but, but it was kind of shy, and it was, it was just awkward. I, I don't know why I didn't, and it was kind of funny, all right? But, uh, but he was able to talk to everybody else, but didn't realize that he had something on his forehead because that's what pride does. We are often blinded by our own pride. We see the faults in other people. We see the shortcomings in other people. And it will manifest itself in so many different ways. You will be prideful if you neglect the Bible in prayer. A lot of people say, I just don't have time. No, what we're really saying is, God... I've got enough of my own strength to live this day for you. See, it will manifest itself in our inability to admit that we're wrong, not submitting to authority, having a know-it-all attitude, not acting on God's word, constantly criticizing others, thinking you are better than others, being overly busy, thinking that we're the ones that have to do everything because if somebody else does it, they're not going to do it right. And godly people, spiritual people, struggle with pride. In fact, this is what Jesus said to the Pharisees. Pharisees were the religious people in the New Testament, constantly trying to live out the scriptures, but they were blinded by their pride in their life. Jesus said this in Matthew. Matthew chapter 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. Even deeper than that is pride. He goes on and says, You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Those are religious leaders. There were times in the Gospels where the disciples were arguing amongst each other as to who was better. They had pride in their life that they were often blinded by. We have to pray this prayer because we are often blinded by our own pride. Second of all, we have to pray this prayer because... We cannot be prideful and authentically follow Jesus. We cannot be prideful and authentically follow Jesus. To follow Jesus is the absence of self. It's to die to self. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we have to follow and model our lives after the most humble person that ever walked the face of the earth. What makes Jesus so humble? Here's God who became man. He got off his throne, became man, was born in a stable, was dependent on a mom and a dad. He, he was a king who washed his disciples' feet. And he did the most humble thing that, that's ever been done. He went to the cross. Here's the king of kings, lord of lords, that allowed himself to be whipped and, and crucified. Why? So that we would give him our sin and he would give us his righteousness. So that we could give Jesus our pride and he would give us his humility. So that we could give God our old life, he would give us a new life that's only found in Christ. In fact, Paul put it this way in Philippians chapter 2. Paul says, have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. 
but he emptied himself. That's what pride does. It empties ourself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We cannot be prideful and authentically follow Jesus. To take that a step further, we cannot be prideful and authentically represent Jesus. Why? Because pride will always push people away. Humility draws people in. Let me say that one more time. Pride will push people away. Humility will draw people in. Why is it so important to pray for humility? We are often blinded by our own pride, and we cannot authentically follow Jesus when there's pride in our lives. Question number two is this. What are the differences between pride and humility? What are the differences? And we're going to look at this answer real quick and then dive into this story. Pride is opposed by God. Humility brings God's grace. Pride is opposed by God. Humility brings God's grace. We see this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We see that also in James chapter 4, verse 6, that God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. This, this opposes literally means wages war against wages war. See, see, the proud person doesn't recognize that they actually need God. God. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Not only does God oppose the proud, God hates pride. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13, clearly articulates that one of the things that God hates is pride. Well, what will draw God to us? A lot of us, the way we live our lives, have fallen into the trap of, of thinking that in order to draw God's attention, maybe even our parents' attention, is that we have to do stuff that's successful. You have to get good grades. You have to be good at sports. You have to be intellectual. You have to be smart. You have to be successful. I find myself, in order to attract people's attention or whatever, I have to do just something that's wild and crazy, like run up the escalators the wrong way or do a belly flop in the middle of a public pool or whatever. We often fall into this mindset to, to get somebody's attention. We have to do something to get God's attention. It's not what we have to do. It's, it's who he wants us to be. Isaiah 66, verse 2, says... But this is the one to whom I look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Pride is opposed by God. Humility brings God's grace. The next point, pride puts faith in self. Humility puts faith in Jesus. Pride puts faith in self. Humility puts faith in Jesus. Now, there's two guys in this story that Jesus told. One's a Pharisee, one's a tax collector. Pharisees were uh, looked down upon by Jesus. They were criticized by Jesus. But their reputation in the culture was that they were good people. They tried to live out the scriptures. They had all these laws. They would actually make up their own man-made laws. And their problem was is that they would look down upon and criticize others that didn't live according to their man-made laws. But, but they had this pretty good reputation uh, among the culture. The, the tax collectors, they were the worst of sinners. 
They were siding with the Romans. They ripped people off. They were deceitful. They were liars. They were the worst of all. And yet in this story, it's the Pharisee that puts his faith in himself. As he prays, he mentions God one time. He mentions himself five times. Look at what I've done. He says, I've, I've, I've done all these great things. I fasted twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Again, not necessary. It was only necessary to fast once a year on the Day of Atonement. It wasn't necessary to, to tithe this much. He was putting his, his faith in himself because that's what pride always does. Hey, look at me. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. I'm so good. God, I don't need you. His entire prayer was all focused on himself. He didn't ask God for one thing. Why? Because according to him, he already had everything that he needed. The tax collector. tax collector put his faith in Jesus. He, had, he admits that he's, he's a sinner. In the Greek, it's not just a sinner. It's literally the sinner. He realizes that his only hope is found in God. And I love the way Tim Keller puts it. Tim Keller put it this way. He said, the Christian gospel is that I am so flawed that Jesus had to die for me. Yet I am so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. This leads to deep humility and a deep sense of confidence at the same time. I love that Jesus had to die, but he was glad to die. Pride puts faith in self. Humility puts faith in Jesus. Thirdly, in your notes, it's simply this. Pride compares self to others. Humility compares self to Jesus. Pride compares ourselves to others. And if we're not careful, we will find ourselves doing this all the time and not even realizing it. Comparing our, our, our marriage to somebody else's marriage, our kids to somebody else's kids, our house to somebody else's house, our clothes to somebody else's clothes, our money to somebody else's money, our happiness to somebody else's happiness. And we do this all the time on social media. How many likes do they have versus how many likes do we have? How many friends do they have versus how many friends do we have? We constantly can fall into this trap of comparing ourselves to others, and that's what pride does. This, this Pharisee, said, God, God, I thank you I'm not like these other people. Adulterers, this, this tax collector. And when we compare ourselves to others, we will always find a way to compare ourselves to other people that are less than us to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. It's constantly evaluating, okay, I've gotten beaten this and this and this and this. I feel better about myself because I've compared. That's what pride always does. What does humility do? Humility compares ourselves to Jesus because Jesus is the perfect standard. Jesus is our goal. Our neighbor is not our goal. Jesus is our goal. How can I be more like Jesus? How, how can I measure up to Jesus? I can't do that of myself. I need, your, I need your help. And that's why the words of this tax collector were simply, be merciful to me. God, I, I need your help. I need you to do what only you can do wasn't comparing himself to anybody else. He was simply drawn to Jesus. Pride compares to others. Humility compares ourself to Jesus. 
Fifthly, or fourthly, pride causes destruction and humility brings honor. Humility brings honor. Jesus emphatically says, I tell you, this tax collector went down to his house justified rather than the other. What does justified mean? It means just as if I never sinned. It means a right standing of God. It literally in the Greek is the, is the passive, perfect participle. Meaning that this man was declared righteous, not because of anything that he had done, but because of the work of Christ. That he was justified. It was this permanent sense of justification, just as if you never sinned for the rest of your life. You've been forgiven past, present, and future. Why? Because pride causes destruction. Humility brings honor. This man that was a tax collector humbled himself before Jesus, and Jesus exalted him. Yet this man that came to Jesus with pride and came to God with pride eventually left humbled, which means we can choose to humble ourselves or God will humble us. You know, the, the Titanic, one of the bigger ship, biggest ships ever created, was, was deemed unsinkable. Not, nothing could, could sink this Ship On its maiden voyage, it sunk. Why? Because there were little rivets in the ship that were overlooked. Second grade rivets. It, it sank. See, see, pride says, this will never happen to me. Humility says, this could happen to me. See, we, we can't ever get to a point in our lives where we say, you know what, this could never happen to me. Uh, I know what happened to them. Th this could never happen to me. That could happen to my marriage. That could happen to my kids. That could happen to my family. That could happen. That could happen. That, that's such a form of pride because it could happen. I was praying with a friend uh, this week in, in my office for somebody else and just said, God, it's, it's only by your grace that I'm not in the same situation. Pride says this could never happen to me. Fifthly, in your notes, Pride causes division, and humility leads to unity. Why was this man distant from the tax collector? He was prideful. He was prideful. You want division in your marriage? Division with your kids? You want walls to go up in your relationships? Be prideful. You want a marriage that's unified? You want a family that's unified? You want relationships that are unified? Be somebody that's humble. And we see this with, with, with Paul in Philippians chapter 2. He says, hey, church, if you're going to thrive, if you're going to be unified as a church, if you're going to make a difference, you have to be humble. You have to be unified in your humility. This is what he says. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. In other words, be together. And then he says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. What there to be division in a church? Paul's saying be prideful. You want there to be unity in a church? Be humble. 
reading recently this, this book, Humility, True Greatness by C.J. Mahaney. You want a great book on humility. It's a simple read, a great read. C.J. Mahaney, Humility, True Greatness. There's a pastor that worked at a church that ended up splitting. It was a great church, and he goes to a new church, and the church is very similar. It's thriving. And he's talking to the other pastors, and he's wondering, what, what happened at the last church? Why did this church split? Why, why was there division? And they go down this list, and then, you know, both of them, it says there was this love for the word of God at the new church. And he's like, I ha- we had that at the old church. He says, well, well, Jesus Christ is the substitutionary sacrifice um, for our sins. He's like, yeah, we believed in that at our last church. There was this importance of relationships. He's like, yeah, we had that at our last church. And then the pastor said, there's a strong emphasis on humility, especially among the leaders. He said, we, we didn't have that at our last church. Why? Because pride will always lead to division. And if we're not careful, we can get so caught up in a church on over, over the color of the soap in the bathrooms, the size of the coffee cups, the paint on the walls, what the bulletins look like, how loud the music is, how soft the music is, where we really get distracted on what's really important. That's people coming to Christ and making disciples and us reaching our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because humility will lead to unity. The basketball coach for the women's basketball team at UConn said this very, very well. He says, one of the things I look look for in a team, in my team, is that whether you're in the game or not in the game, if you're on the bench, I want you rooting people on. In fact, if you're not playing and you're on the bench and you're not rooting the team on, you will not play. And And he talks about the reality that we live in a culture where even for athletes, it's all about me. And you'll hear him say, me, 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 several times. Check out this video. We put a huge premium on body language. And if your body language is bad, you will never get in the game. Ever. I don't don't care how good you are. If somebody says, well, you know, you just benched Stewie for, you know, 35 minutes in the Memphis game a couple years ago. Yeah, I did. Oh, but I was to motivate her for the South Carolina game the following Monday. No, it wasn't. Stewie was acting like a 12-year-old. So I put her on the bench and said, sit there. It doesn't matter on our team. Now, the other coaches might say, well, you can do that because you got three other, you know, All-Americans. I get that. I understand that. But I'd rather lose than watch kids play the way some kids play. I'd rather lose. And they're allowed to get away with just whatever. And they're always thinking about themselves. Me, 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 me. I didn't score, so why should I be happy? I'm not getting enough minutes. Why should I be happy? That's the world that we live in today, unfortunately. Isn't it nice to hear somebody just say it the way it is? <laughs> but he said, me, 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 me. I want to score points. I want playing time. This pride is, is it's just infused in kids at a young age, which is why we have to pray for humility. Why humility will lead to unity? Pride will lead to division. Question number three in your notes. We're going to go through this quickly. What are some signs that you're growing in humility? As, you, as you're praying this prayer and, and you're, you're asking God to, to, to grow your humility, teach you humility, what, what are some signs? There's six of them. Number one, you begin to see your own pride. You begin to see your own pride. Instead of noticing everybody else's pride, you begin to see your own pride. You begin to see yourself for who you really are. Uh, you find yourself talking about yourself less. 
Conversations are more about other people instead of yourself. You're, you're interested in other people. You're wanting to understand somebody else instead of being understood. And you realize that there are some pride issues in your life. You begin to see your own pride. Second of all, you admit when you're wrong. You admit you're wrong. You, you find yourself being okay with looking somebody in the eyes and saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Uh, instead of blaming others, always coming up with excuses, which is what a prideful person will do, even if you hurt somebody and it wasn't your fault, you're still willing and able to say, I'm sorry. And we don't forgive people only when they ask for forgiveness. We forgive people because that's what Christ has done for us. I heard somebody say recently that no relationship will survive without forgiveness. So humility is fostering that forgiveness. It's encouraging that forgiveness. Thirdly, in your notes, you are comparing yourself less to others. You're comparing yourself less to others. Well, how do you know? Well, you're not criticizing people near as much. You're not gossiping near as much. You're not judging people near as much. You're, you're encouraging people more. You're, you're, you're lifting people up. You're, you're serving people. It's not about you. It's about others and God. There's this radical change in your life because you're like, you know what? I'm going to compare myself to Jesus and not others. Fourthly, you begin to serve others more. You begin to serve others more. One of the areas where God has really put on my heart is just um, my, my desire to serve my wife and, and, and love my wife. Uh, in my own pride and my own selfishness, I want to be very transparent before you, I, I can get and have periods of time where I am a lot more focused on how my wife loves me instead of how I love my wife. Uh, my love language is our, our physical touch, words of affirmation, touch me again, right? That's just uh, the, the, the love language. Kelly is acts of service and quality time. Now, my, my wife is one of the biggest animal lovers I have ever met in my life. Me, when we got married, not so much. What's my way of showing Kelly that I love? She just loves it when I, when I love on her animals. Um, if it was my choice, we probably wouldn't have any animals. Uh, now we've got a couple dogs. Uh, we've got a hamster that almost got eaten by a dog this last week, which was really interesting. Um, but but, but I, I just love my wife, and I want to I bless my wife, and I want to serve my wife. And I've found that as I pay attention to the animals, it just blesses her heart. So we've got this big labradoodle named Norman. Uh, you've probably seen him on Facebook. And, and when I pay him attention, attention to him, he, he just he goes crazy. Kelly loves it. It just does something to her soul especially uh, when I say something that gets him all riled up. I'll literally look down at him and I'll be like, is that the baby? And he just starts going crazy. He starts like, is that the baby? Is that the baby? I just do that. He just starts going crazy. You guys are going to remember nothing else from the message today. <laughs> is that the baby? I'll, you know what I'll do is I'll post a video online this week so you can watch it. And, and I, he gets going crazy. He literally jumps up on my lap, 60, 70 pounds. He's a lap dog. And that just blesses my wife. Why am I doing that? Because it's not about my focus on how my wife is loving me, which she does a great job, but my focus is, is how do I love my wife? How do I cherish my wife? You will find yourself begin to serve others more. Fifthly, is, is you're teachable. Which means you have a willingness to listen. A willingness to ask questions. See, we have never arrived in life or in humility. If you think you've arrived, then you're prideful. 
It's a willingness to learn from people that are different from you, younger than you, older than you, smarter than you, not as smart as you. Why? Because you've got a humble attitude and you're teachable. And then sixthly, and this is a big one, is you're willing to ask for help. Is you're willing to ask for help. See, humility will change the way that you pray, changes the way you interact with your friends. You will find yourself asking your friends to pray for you more. Asking you to, asking to help with projects. Uh, one of the things that I, I get to do just about every night is I get to tuck my son Jacob in, it, in bed. He's 12 years old, almost 13. He's got special needs, doesn't walk, doesn't talk, doesn't eat through his mouth. And uh, I, I love our bedtime because I'll, I'll put him to bed and then I'll go check on him about 10 minutes later. And often I get this smile. Sometimes he doesn't even have his eyes open. He's just smiling. He, he knows his daddy's there. In fact, this is a picture of him Friday night. Tucking him in and just loving on him and kissing him and we pray together. And there are times where he's just laying and he'll, he'll try to roll over. But with his covers on in his bed, he, he can't roll over by himself. He can't turn on his side. And he, and he tries a little bit. And it's almost as if he's, he looks up at me as his father and says, hey, Dad, can you help me roll over a little bit? Can you help me get comfortable? He's turning and asking for help because he knows the reality is he can't do something that simple himself. And I'm just reminded that humility will always ask for help. God, I need your help in my marriage. God, I need your help in my finances. God, God, I need your help to save me. God, I realize that, that my own works are nothing but filthy rags in your presence. When we are humble, we ask God for help and others for help. Now, what makes this a dangerous prayer? Question number four. Two reasons why this is a dangerous prayer. Number one, Owning your pride stings momentarily. Owning your pride stings momentarily, meaning seeing yourself in the mirror for who you really are when your pride is exposed, it hurts. It's been, it's been painful for me over the last month or two to realize the own pride that I have in my life, the own, the own selfishness. Um, and in that, God's done some great healing and he's helped me and He's doing some great stuff, but it's not, it's not fun to have God chipping away the sin in your life. It stings momentarily. So that's, that's why it's a dangerous prayer, but here's why it's, it's, it's even more dangerous. It's even more dangerous not to pray this prayer. This is a prayer that, that, yeah, it's dangerous to pray because momentarily it will hurt, but it's a prayer that's even more dangerous not to pray this prayer because the last point in your notes, ignoring your pride destroys Everything. Everything. You want to destroy your marriage? Be prideful. You want to destroy your family? Be prideful. Destroy your finances? Be prideful. You want to destroy fill in the blank? Be prideful. The Bible says that pride comes before a fall. If you want to destroy anything that could ever come with your relationship with God, if you're not saved here today and you don't have a relationship with God, the only way that that is possible is through a humble heart and recognizing that what Christ did on the cross is the only way to be saved and that we, in and of ourselves, cannot save ourselves.
Let's bow and let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for modeling perfect humility. And God, we recognize that we've got pride in our life and we need your help. Would you teach us to be humble? Humble in our relationships. Humble in our thinking. God, humble in our relationship with you. With all heads bowed, nobody looking around, but maybe you're at a point today where you've realized that you've tried to be religious, but you have never humbled yourself before God and asked God to do what only he can do and that save you from your sin. If you want to do that and receive the gift of salvation, the only one that can heal the disease of sin in your life and give you access and a relationship to a holy God, it's through Jesus. And you can do that through a simple prayer. It's not the words of the prayer, it's the attitude of the heart. It goes something like this. Dear Jesus, I need your help. Will you come into my life and save me? Change me from the inside out. Make me into the person that you want me to be. I give you total control of my life. Have your way. God, for the first time today, I humble myself. With all heads bowed, nobody looking around. But if you've never prayed that prayer, and today is the first time you say, you know what, I, I need Jesus to rescue me and help me and to save me. Would you just lift up your hand and, and look at me wherever you're at today? Say, you know what, I, I need Jesus to do what, what only he can do. If that's your prayer, just look up at me and raise your hand. Good, I see those hands. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Say, you know what, I, I need Jesus to, to save me. I need Jesus to do what only he can do. Is there anybody else? You say, that's my attitude today. Good, I see those two hands here as well. God, we thank you for the hands all over the room. I see that hand in the back as well. For the hands that have responded to you, your love and your mercy and your grace. Teach us humility. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.